Iawn, a very warm welcome to our service this morning in the parish of Casluchur and Gosainan. My name is Adrian and I'm the vicar and on behalf of the church family, it's great to welcome you. If you're joining us for the first time, remember to check out our website, stcath.org.uk. You'll find lots of information there of what God is up to in our midst and we'd love you to partner with us and join in that mission. Remember too that we'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to pick up the phone and get in touch, you'd be very welcome. This morning, Andrew Knight will be preaching for us and we pray for God's blessing on him as he prepares to share with us. As we begin, let's pray together. Almighty God, who sent your Holy Spirit to be the life and light of your church, open our hearts to the riches of your grace, that we may bring forth the fruit of your Spirit in love and joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So with those words of introduction, let's worship together.
The first reading is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9 to 18. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed the prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not with the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. And then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave seven thousand in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 14 verse 22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came he was there alone but by this time the boat battered by the waves was far from the land for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O God, help us to listen to your word with understanding, to receive it with faith, and to obey it with courage, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Elijah was frightened, and he'd run away. There'd been a great success against the prophets of the Canaanite god Baal. A wonderful day. He challenged them to make a sacrifice and call down fire from heaven, and they tried hard and failed. And he'd asked God to light up his sacrifice, and he had, with fire from heaven, convincing demonstration. Yes, a great day, but in its aftermath, he'd been threatened, and the death threats of Queen Jezebel were real and credible, and he'd run. You can hear him in that first reading, rehearsing his justification and his grievance. He's angry, and he's a bit sorry for himself. God brings him to Mount Horeb, and there he's reminded. He's not reminded by the dramatic power of the wind. He's not reminded by the shaking of the earthquake. He's not reminded even by the dangerous potential of fire, but by a very quiet voice. He's reminded that there's still work to be done, and he's given a list. And he's reminded gently that he is not alone. God is still powerful, and there are still 7,000 faithful people. Elijah is a great prophet, perhaps the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, the one who was promised to come again before the Messiah, the one for whom a place is still laid in the Jewish Passover. But he was human, and he was frightened, and he'd run away. It's a ghost, they shout in the boat on Lake Galilee. We don't believe in ghosts. Do we? But just as we're not frightened, or, well, yes, there are things we fear, but on the whole we don't talk about them, or we pretend and make jokes, or we avoid the subjects very carefully. But sometimes, despite our best efforts, they come up. Not surprisingly, this is in the middle of the night, after a long, hard day. A great day again, all the excitement of the feeding of the five thousand. And yes, the disciples had the work of clearing up, was it twelve baskets of scraps left over? The disciples need to know Jesus' power, power over... Well, yes, a rough sea, ghosts of all sorts, even the threat of death. 
But Jesus is no alpha male, showing off and playing to the crowd or the camera. His power is worn lightly, shown to those who need to know, not as a carefully staged publicity stunt. Then there's Peter. Peter, his wonderfully impetuous self. He's out of the boat, on the water, before... Whoops. He learns his limits. His need to depend on Jesus. It's a good lesson for a disciple. Any disciple, really, but especially a disciple who leads, who needs to know the importance of his limits and his Lord. Anything you can do, I can do... Oh, actually, no, I can't do it better. Actually, there's an awful lot that you can do and I can't, and I need to learn. Peter's learning. If Elijah and the disciples had their fears, so did Jesus. There was real opposition. Oh, not just to his teaching and what he said and the way he said it, but opposition that was crystallising now against him personally. And alongside that there were the crowds. The crowds who'd enjoyed their lunch were fickle, unreliable. Good for a free lunch, but not for loyalty, not to depend on. And there's a growing shadow from the death to come. Like Elijah, he's not paranoid. They really are out to get him. But Jesus would face his fears and win through. Jesus knew, as Elijah and Peter had to learn, the power of God. Not a power for showing off. Not a power to smooth his way to the public humiliation of his enemies and a painless universal acceptance not the power of a Hollywood happy ending, but a greater and more real power which would carry him through everything and share a transforming love with all who would accept it, yes, even among his enemies who had plotted and undermined and schemed. So, what are your fears? I don't mean that they're on the surface, and maybe they're not taking you over, but sometimes it's good just to take them out and have a look. Is it something immediate, like not providing the money or the work or the attention that people say you owe them? feeling that you're being chased and that maybe you might not win the race. 
Or perhaps, perhaps it's something from your past that hasn't been sorted out. Something that you often manage to forget, but when you don't, it makes you feel guilty or anxious or just you much rather avoid the issue. But really, it ought to be sorted. Or is it something that you don't know how to tackle, like illness or death or some big relationship failure or coming to know that you're not the person you thought you were? Whatever your fears, they're yours and they'll be personal to you. And they can be big things to deal with, and some of them may need to draw on skilled help from trained people who know what they're doing. But the first step may be to ask, is Jesus close enough for me to risk getting out of the boat? Can I rely on him if it's difficult, if it doesn't go well? Fear is a nasty thing. It can tie us in knots. It can spoil a great deal. It doesn't go away when it's buried. Jesus found ways to face fear. And God has been teaching his people to do that for a long time. Elijah and Peter are just two examples. There are plenty more. Now, was there something you wanted to ask God about? Perhaps it's time you did. Let us Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we're able to come together to pray today and to enter into your presence. We praise you for that promise that where two and three are gathered together, you would be there among them. 
Thank you for this blessing of technology that brings us together even in such a troubled time as this. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being our peace that is deeper than and stronger than anything going on in the world around us. Please help us to recognise, to see and to know that peace in our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we praise you that as Christians we don't walk through this life alone, nor do we have to face our fears alone, because we're part of a great family. We have a Father in heaven and a family on earth, the Church. So as well as our own biological families, we have our Christian brothers and sisters around us, encouraging us, supporting us and blessing us as we face challenges in our own lives. Thank you that together we're able to share one another's joys and to shoulder one another's burdens. We pray, Father, for your church throughout the world. We pray especially today for the church in Wales, for Archbishop John, our bishop, and for all the clergy and people of this diocese. We pray especially today for Andrew and Jill, thanking God for Andrew's wisdom, which God has given to him to share with us today. We pray for our own church family. Although we're unable to meet at this time, we trust that God brings us together and that in our diversity and in our difference, we're all one in Christ. That, Lord, is the church at its best. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In such a troubled time in our history, Lord, we pause and we pray for our world. We pray for wisdom and insight for all our world leaders and especially for our own government as they negotiate the challenges of bringing us out of lockdown. We pray too for our brothers and sisters across the world and especially for countries who, having come out of lockdown, are now seeing a second peak in the coronavirus. Lord, would you be our shield and our defender? Keep us well, keep us safe and be with us in all the fears that we face in this life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Today, Lord, we pray too for our community, for the people of Kastuchur and Gosainen, for our friends and for our neighbours, and for the strangers whose needs are known only to God. Among us, may they find a place of welcome, of compassion and love. May they be cared for, and may they know that the church isn't a club for saints, but a hospital for sinners. We pray today for the people of our community, in all their diverse differences and all their needs, each one known and loved by God. We pray that the Holy Spirit would enable us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, as we together seek to serve our community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today for all who are grieving, for those who have lost loved ones in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, for those who are about to breathe their last and pass from glory into glory. May they know the love and promises of Jesus. We pray too for all who are afraid, that in Jesus they would find comfort and strength. And finally, Lord, 
we pray for ourselves. Would you forgive what we've been? In your great mercy and love, would you accept what we are and help to direct and to amend what we will be, so that our lives might tell out your story? Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. So as our service draws to a close for another week, I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray that you have a happy and a blessed week. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with you and remain with you always. Amen.